What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest broadcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Special podcast today is a deep dive into what I think is a crisis that has been brewing for the last 20 years in the NBA. The NBA is both smarter and dumber than we think they are. Um, the NBA in many ways has been well ahead of its time in predicting the reliance on cable and in, in, in media. Uh, it's been well ahead of its time in uh, athletes with uh, social consciousness. Uh, it has been ahead of its time in focal, focusing on stars and the boom of international play well ahead of where anyone else could possibly think. Um, in many ways, the NBA is one of the dumbest organizations that you've seen in professional sports. They constantly undermine themselves with uh, um, media packages and um, a kind of a way they box themselves into decisions. Uh, David Stern routinely made terrible decisions um, starting in 1989 when he forced uh, then uh, dug its owner Sidney Schlenker to uh, <laughs> into uh, selling the Denver Nuggets into two guys who couldn't afford to run a team, um, and then later the uh, the ref scandal, uh, the moving of Seattle of the Supersonics to Oklahoma City, uh, his refusal to deal with. Um, uh, Donald Sterling for 30 years. Um, but one crucial part of what David Stern and therefore the NBA missed was in, in their zeal to be ahead of the game and to kind of rescue themselves from a malaise. They let themselves be at the influence of an organization that could influence them. And here is a bit of history in that. In 2002, the NBA was really at a crossroads. The post-Jordan era, combined with the lockout in 1998, um, had depressed um, the viewing numbers of the NBA to a, an enormous extent. Um, and it wasn't helped by San Antonio um, with due respect to the Spurs and what they accomplished, it wasn't helped that the low interest um, San Antonio Spurs won the first title out of the Jordan era. Jordan retiring in 1998 was a crisis point and the NBA was muddling through. Um, after the Spurs won in um, 1999, the, the Lakers won three in a row that uh, sufficiently pop propped up the finals numbers, but the overall viewing interest in the NBA cratered. And uh, the league was at a crisis moment. And as you've heard me talk about in several different CSGs going back for three years now, the, the 2000 to 2005 era of the NBA is really what shaped what we have right now. But one of the most under-discussed things that, that occurred was the NBA deciding to go all in on cable, which um, was well ahead of the 
other networks. Um, in, in fact, excuse me, well ahead of the other leagues, uh, well ahead of Major League Baseball, which we all know is uh, is permanently stuck in 1955. But there is a a crucial moment here that really kind of backed the NBA into a corner that they really wouldn't see for another 10, 15 years. The media rights deal, uh, which was then just exclusively a TV deal back in 2002, and it was signed in January of 2002, um, meant that the ABC uh, and ESPN, which was owned, uh, I think Disney bought uh, ESPN and ABC in 1996, and that purchase meant that by by proxy, Disney was the one who was making the call here. Disney backed a dump truck full of money up to the NBA. The NBA was at a weak point. The, the uh, Lakers were on their way to winning their third um, straight championship in a very fraught uh, year. Um, but the, the, the Lakers weren't alone able to save what the NBA saw was a cratering interest now that Michael Jordan wasn't around to basically prop up the league. The league had become, um, by, uh, because it lacked an identity, it became a, a slow, sludgy, unwatchable mess. It had, uh, it was, I would basically, I would describe 1999 to 2000, well, even all the way up to 2005 and six, the dead ball era, like they have in uh, uh, baseball. This is basically the dead ball era of uh, the NBA. Um, there, it was, it was a crisis moment for the NBA because interest was at a low point and even after they signed this deal with uh disney slash espn abc um the inability to get to where they thought they could have to to return to the jordan era dominance that the nba had um it wasn't the nfl but it was you you could say the end the uh the nba was number two particularly come post strike in uh, Major League Baseball strike in the 90s. So they put themselves in a position to where they have to cater to uh, ESPN, ABC, Disney. This was a masterstroke at the time by Michael Eisner, who uh, owned Disney. Who would not own, but he was the uh, CEO. And this was one of his better moves for the company. Now, Later on down the line, if you ask these media partners of these leagues, they will say that maybe it's not such a great idea. But at this time, it was a coup to pull the NBA away from its longtime and very, very stable partner in NBC. NBC had sufficiently done the NBA since 1991 through the entire Jordan era. And the 90-91 was, I believe, their first their year. So 90 to 2002. So it was 12 years of, of the NBA on NBC. The Jordan era plus the last four years. The, the, <clears throat> the problem that the league was having was they, they saw that the, the diversification into cable 
specifically led by ESPN, was going to be something that was going to dominate the, the 2000s. This is where the NBA is smarter than we give them credit for. They understood where this was going. With NBC, you had um, doubleheaders, tripleheaders. Uh, by this point, the, uh, the, the NFL had left NBC and gone to uh, CBS. So really, the only thing that and the NBC had was um, the Olympics and the NBA. And the NBA uh, was heavily featured on network television um, throughout the entire 90s into 2002, um, led by, you know, Marv Albert, Mike Fratello, uh, Matt Gukas, um, Dick Enberg famously called the uh, Game 5 against the Sonics. Um, it, was a, it was a murderer's row of, of what you would call great people calling these games, and it was a very contained audience. The, the, the diversification was only limited to Turner, TNT, which was owned by, at that time, it was the AOL Time Warner, which had merged. It was a Ted Turner thing still. So the NBA kept Turner and booted out NBC. So that fateful decision locked the NBA into what I would count as a semi-dependent relationship because the NBA needed more eyeballs and they more needed more diversification than NBC could have provided them in 2002. The NBC, NBC didn't have multiple networks they could dump uh, regular season NBA games on. And with ESPN uh, and ESPN2, they could air 75 games a year on, on the network and dump uh, the feature games onto ABC. And at that time, it was uh, uh, Al Michaels and Hubie Brown and Al Michaels and uh, um, Doc Rivers as I remember, um, that's who was calling these games, which was interesting. Al Michaels was not known as a uh, basketball guy for, for a good reason. If you listen to those games at that time and it was, uh, an interesting, it was an interesting time in the NBA, but the NBA was once again saved. And I, I always say this about David Stern. David Stern was smart in understanding that he could stumble into accidentally stumble into things he stumbled into bird versus magic in the 80s it was the perfect time for whatever that matchup meant both culturally and um basketball wise to the nba he captured that he was able to market that but he didn't do that on purpose that is something he stumbled upon by about 1985 um which is basically a year after he became the uh, the head the uh, commissioner of the NBA. Um, he stumbled into LeBron, and LeBron and Carmelo and the 2003 draft really did begin to save the NBA from itself. The NBA the NBA wasn't at a crisis point like it was uh, in the 70s, where teams were about to fold and there was a drug problem and there was uh, the Kermit Washington Rudy Tomjanovich punch. Um, this is different. This was uh, a, a crisis of identity. 
and LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and that 2003 draft really injected the league with a much-needed entertainment value in a league that was highly dependent on stars. Still is, in a weird way. But in, in doing that sort of thing, you make a deal with the devil. And I, I don't want to upset my friends who are very much into Star Wars and Marvel. But as you can see with the way Disney has kind of pasteurized viewing content, you can see that can have an effect on their other properties, specifically the NBA. Um, Disney has a, an ability to influence with due to their production might and money that maybe some other entities weren't able to do specifically because of all the networks that they control and their ability to put them out there. Their influence was waning a bit once league pass came in, but league pass even to this day is more of a gimmick. It's something the NBA really can't sell. And even, even with the NFL and NFL Sunday ticket, it's just, it, these things are not sustainable, you know, because as much as you want to say that you can watch the entire league, um, no one wants to watch the entire league. <laughs> that is, that's the God's honest truth. So the NBA has through the years put itself into this position. It is a, it's a league that, um, because of its various three different deals that it signed from 2002, 2008, 2014, uh, put itself into a position to where it uh, was trying to make up some gaps in waning interest with trying to diversify content via large media buys from ESPN and Turner. Now, Turner will always be part of the NBA uh, thing, largely due to, in the past, it was uh, David Stern's relationship with Ted Turner. Um, and Turner has been a reliable partner for the NBA. Um, I don't see that ever changing. But we're coming up on something, and we're going to get to this on the other side of the podcast, but we're coming up on a crucial crisis point again for the NBA. Due to a lot of different circumstances, and I'll go into them in this second part, about how the NBA has backed itself into a corner of its own making and how it might not be able to wiggle out of it with a miracle like they have in the past. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazi in beautiful Lower Downtown, Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. Um, right now, the if you go to bfwdenver.com, you can look at the the uh, the wine walk that's going to happen in uh, April. Um, there is uh, it's always a big event for uh, Lower Downtown. Try try that, and you know, um, like I I highly suggest you check that out. It's good stuff. But if you don't want to, just take a day. They're open at one o'clock. Go down and. Uh, Try some of their wines. They got reds, they got whites, they got Rieslings, they got, uh, you know, 
white, you know, grapes that they wine they make grapes from from Sonoma County. They got partnerships with Western Slope uh, wineries. If you want to try that out, basically they have everything you need. Um, if you go to bfwcolorado.com, not Denver, BFW Colorado, um, they will uh, uh, you see their selections of wine, what's in stock. You can buy bottles. Uh, for curbside pickup or you know any of those uh they can deliver them to them to you or you know uh, they can have them shipped anything you need it's one one of the best wine bars in Colorado and uh I'm I'm heavily biased as I have been a consistent customer since 2019 once again they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee beautiful lower downtown Denver Colorado just a couple blocks away from Coors Field right in the middle of the dairy block they're always online at bfwdenver.com when you uh, go in or you talk to him, tell him Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. The influence of ESPN slash Disney has um, become more and more prevalent as the NBA's ratings have begun to not recover. Due to an enormous convergence of factors including gen z not exactly being active participants in watching and consuming their media via tiktok um nba twitter which is which is the the most active of the twitters uh the four major sports in the united states um and some of it is the fact that rsns are becoming uh unprofitable and as we've seen in uh colorado it has uh really manifested itself and no one being able to see the nuggets um and there's also been other factors but those are primarily what it is people the cultural stuff people don't care about and if and if a republican comes up to you and says that's the woke stuff you can you can just tell them that that is uh untrue and uh maybe they should watch a basketball game and and you know shut up and watch rather than have the guys shut up and dribble. That's that will be my advice on that, on that front. But this overall issue has been the influence of, of ESPN and their media might has led the NBA to being be due to their dependence on, on this. See, Turner doesn't have this problem, by the way, Turner only has, a handful of uh, you know not a handful but they have a much less um of an imprint because they don't have to fill days of content days and days and days of content with the nba um they are they don't air as many games but they they do uh have a big influence in a sense that they have former players on the, in the inside the NBA um, they got all these this this thing which has a longtime partner but they don't have the same issue that ESPN does um, Sherwood Strauss uh, Ethan sorry I call him Sherwood because he was Sherwood Strauss for ages on Twitter I mean never called him by his name I always called him Sherwood um, no Ethan forever uh, there is a um, he, he kind of pointed out that Disney's production ability is terrible. And I will agree with that. And I'm coming back to a previous point I made. Um, the end, these NBA games are flat and they're always influenced by pop culture. But it's like trying to do everything else before the game rather than make the game about the game. Um, that's always been my issue with the Van Gundy, uh, Mark Jackson pairing. I'm Mike Brain's okay. He's a little too east coast oriented but i mean 
So was Marv Albert. So, I mean, six and one, half dozen the other. But um, aside from the in-game production, they fill these days and days and days of coverage with nonsense. And it's the nonsense that, due to the influence of ESPN, which has taken over the NBA, the NBA is now led by nonsense. A lot of the uh, kind of the over-focus on drama is largely due to ESPN Disney's influence into the proceedings and how uh, the leaks and all this stuff through NBA Twitter is influenced by large uh, player agencies that are out there. Uh, I am very, very much supportive of NBA players. They are, uh, in in every situation, I am supportive of labor. Um, but there is there are moments where the, the players and the people who represent them get in the way of just having, being able to focus on a game because of the constant drama, all this stuff, and the focus on it. Um, the influence of of ESPN onto the general proceedings of the NBA has also led to a big gap in the ability of the league to adequately promote its star players. Um, my friend Adam Adam Mares has kind of pointed out that this is this has been a systemic problem with ESPN for a while. While I agree, I think the NBA has a desire to promote its stars because that's good business. Coming back to the NBA's dumber than we think, I don't think they know how. I don't think the people in the office know how. I don't think the people in in the league office have any clue how to promote Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is in commercials and stuff like that, but they don't really have a way conceptually to promote them, regardless of whether Jokic, Giannis, and Luka want to be promoted. All right, you're part of a league. You you can put someone's, you can feature a player. But because of this dependence on moving eyeballs and stuff like that, and the influence of ESPN, the league office is located in New York. Um, much of the infrastructure of uh, ESPN is located in New York and LA. It is very easy for them to focus things in that area. To give an example here, ESPN has no dedicated Nuggets person. They have shared um, Young Mizuk, um, but there is no dedicated Nuggets player. They had one for Utah, for whatever reason, and Tim McMahon for a while. But there is no, I mean, the Nuggets are leading and have been a good team in the Western Conference for what, going on five years now, five seasons, and there has been nothing, right? Some of that has to do with the fact that the Nuggets don't move the needle for Disney. The other fact of it is the NBA is just generally incompetent when it comes to promoting, and they have been for ages. And in fact, since Jordan left. And I have a theory about that. Jordan allowed the NBA to get really lazy. Um, Jordan 
his and and he just had his birthday yesterday. So um, this is kind of a part and part of what I'm talking about here. Jordan was so good and so um, innate at marketing himself, but yet not making himself uh, a object of, uh, of who is just doing his brand. He did his brand. He did exactly what Jordan did. But he had a genius with making it palatable, which is not something necessarily that LeBron has the ability to do. LeBron always comes across as self-serving for whatever reason. And I, I think that's not his intent. I don't believe that's LeBron's intent. Jordan had this just ability to do this. And for those of you who are not alive when Jordan was ruling the NBA, um, you would see like Mike, if I could be like Mike, those commercials, really easy, really easy to sell. His partnership with Nike was amazing, still is. And um, his marketability meant the NBA was marketable everywhere. LeBron doesn't have that. The NBA uh, tried to market LeBron um, in the same way they did Jordan, but what people don't understand is that LeBron James is not as appealing as Michael Jordan, regardless of what you think about how good they are, right? How they good they are in comparison to each other. The fact remains that, that, and this is, should be indisputable at this point. LeBron James is not as appealing as Michael Jordan was. There's a reason the NBA hit its absolute apex in the in the Jordan era, it's it, it was due to Jordan, but because Jordan was so good at this, he did the NBA's work for them. LeBron and to a certain extent Steph Curry don't make it the. It becomes more about them as their brand rather than them as the star NBA player, and that is why the NBA is just kind of stuck in this thing. And that rely that makes them overly dependent on a Disney that has zero interest in really making the product any good. The influence of Disney in the entire proceeding is to the point now. The NBA has a deal coming up here, and from what reports are out there, uh, the NBC and some other play, uh, uh, players in this situation are going to make aggressive bids to save the NBA from itself and to make it learn how to market itself. I would advise them to get as far away from ESPN as they could possibly do. This relationship has run its course. It's become corrosive. It's become, it's become a bit of a, um, anchor around their necks. I would have moved on from ESPN in 2014 when they signed that signed that last big media buy. I, I would have I would have I would have said, you know, we'll take a little less money to go with NBC. Uh, NBC was 100% and I don't like NBC by the way. I'm not shilling for corporation here, but NBC in the past was a lot better at putting on a show and they were a lot better at featuring the actual league. Um we don't have that right now. The ESPN's muddled the muddied the waters and created a mediocre viewing product. 
Um, and they've let the influence of drama and they let the influence of big markets take over the entire situation. Um, the Denver Nuggets are the first, are the number one team in the West. The Milwaukee Bucks are right there with the Boston Celtics at the top of the East. Don't see much about them at all, do you? Do you? That is ESPN. And the fact that we're kind of forced into watching this crap that ESPN puts out is is beyond ridiculous. It is beyond time for the NBA to get somewhere else. They need to be elsewhere. They need, for their own good, even if it's less money, they need to move out from ESPN. It has become a corrosive, mediocre product. And I would say a good 70% of that has to do with just Disney being Disney. Disney's pasteurization of everything. And there needs to be a breaking point. And I think we're at it right now, folks. If I was an average NBA fan, which I am, I would say get them as far away from ESPN as possible. Go back to NBC or, or whoever. I don't care. But go go back to a, a different model. Put it back on network TV. Make it more accessible. And make it a better damn product. Because at this point, it's hard to watch. And with the, R, the collapse of RSNs, maybe now is a time to think outside the box. And the NBA has this opportunity opportunity right now to take advantage of that. In 2002, the NBA was at a crossroads. They really were. They needed to do something innovative to advance their product. And it sort of did. It sort of worked. It got them through the 2000s. It hasn't worked as well in the 2010s. But they're at that point again. 20 years later, no, no media... Uh, should have a 20-year monopoly on uh, on the rights for a leak. That's too long. NBC only had it 12 years. It's time. It's time to move for the good of the NBA and the good of the NBA fan. All right. Thank you for all for watching. Thank you all for uh, listening on this uh, Mortcast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.